Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Over recent weeks, as we've um, just set ourselves at the start of this year to see where God wanted to take us in the Word, and um, it's been so good to experience uh, His presence and to have some focus around um, the throne room and um, intimacy with the Lord. And today I want us to think about this word on the screen behind me, encounter. Perhaps we could just say that word together. It's a tremendous word. Already? One, two, three. Encounter. Encounter. Now I don't know what, I don't know what that word means to you, encounter. I don't know um, what you would say your experience of an encounter with God is. I don't, know, um, I don't know how much you want that. What your anticipation, your expectation of an encounter with the Lord is, an encounter with Almighty God. But you know, when we read through the Bible, um, this, is, this is unmistakably a story of, of people and of a people, of, of, it's a corporate story, isn't it? It's a, it's a story of, of people together. It's a story of God's people. Yes. And, and that's what the Bible story is. It's a story of God's people. But, but every so often, there's unmistakably a, an account of a personal, an individual encountering God in a way that changes the direction, not only for that person, but for God's people. Yes. It is, it's a corporate book. Yes. God's plan is always for his people. But we can't lose sight of the fact that every so often at crucial moments of great significance, that story, that corporate story is marked and propelled and given focus by particular encounters with particular people. Whether it's Abraham and Sarah at the entrance to their tent, or it's Moses in front of that bush, or it's Paul on the road, or it's a woman at a well, this, is, this story is punctuated with Uh, descriptions of men and women who met with God and um, I hope I hope this morning we feel we feel both those aspects I hope we feel both a great sense of being joined together and if I could just use the journey word just this or maybe I'll use it another time as well on a journey (laughs) with our love on 
No, we're not going there. On a journey. God's people on a journey. But I hope as well that, like me, you might individually feel that you could have an encounter with God that would be not only significant for you personally, but could could be significant for all of us. Yeah? Could we believe that together? Genesis 28 is a fantastic story. I think Richard might have referred to it last week. And um, the backstory is fascinating, of course. Um, God begins to outwork his purpose, his corporate purpose, through a family. Um, it, will, it will expand to be through some tribes, through a nation, through the, into all the peoples of the earth. But, but having started with, with a man, with Adam, and, and then an, and another man, Noah, the story expands to begin to uh, be outworked through a family. And, and Abraham and Sarah receive this tremendous um, promise from God, this, this blessing, this, this statement of covenant. And, um, and of course, Sarah is barren, which is, which is ironic, isn't it? Because God's promised yeah. offspring that couldn't be counted. And Sarah's barren. But then Isaac is born, and um, Isaac, uh, Abraham orders that Isaac should have a wife from amongst his own people. So his servant goes, and Isaac is, is married with Rebekah. And uh, Rebekah and Isaac um, uh, have twins, Esau and Jacob, and there's a struggle going on in Rebekah's womb. And, and he, these twins were struggling in the womb. And, um, and she brings forth Jacob and Esau, and Esau comes first. He's the firstborn, and and Jacob, um, first of all, he buys his older twin brother's birthright for a bowl of stew. Then he deceives their father Isaac by wearing um, hairy, a hairy outfit and cooking uh, Isaac's favorite food and steals his birthright. And it's, I beg your pardon, steals his blessing by deception. And by the way, there's so much sowing and reaping going on in this story. Because Abraham has deceived Abimelech, and, and then Isaac does the same thing, and now Jacob deceives Isaac, and you know, what you sow, you'll always reap, just as an aside. And so we pick up the story in Genesis 28, and um, uh, Rebecca is, has encouraged, and, and, and in a moment we'll read that uh, Isaac is going to uh, send Jacob away, uh, partly to escape his brother Esau's fierce anger and uh, Jacob is to go to his uncle Laban's family and to find a wife from amongst his cousins. So let's read the story of Jacob in Genesis 28. I feel a real sense of the presence of God this morning. I believe he wants us to have an encounter all together today as well as whatever might happen individually. So here's Genesis 28 from the Holman. Isaac summoned Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, don't take a wife from the Canaanite women. Go at once to Padan Aram in the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and marry one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you 
so that you may become an assembly of peoples. May God give you and your offspring the blessing of Abraham so that you may possess the land where you live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob to Padan Aram, so to Laban, son of Bethuel, the, Ar- the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And Esau noticed that Isaac blessed Jacob and sent him to Padan Aram to get a wife there. And when he blessed him, Isaac commanded Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman. And Jacob listened to his father and mother and he went to Padan Aram. And Esau realized that his father Isaac disapproved of the Canaanite women. So Esau went to Ishmael and married, in addition to his other wives, Mahalath, daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. She was the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he reached a certain place and he spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones from that place and he put it there at his head and he lay down in that place. And he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground and with its top reaching heaven. And God's angels were going up and down on it. And the Lord was standing there. The Lord was standing there beside him, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your offspring the land you are now sleeping on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out towards the west, the east, the north and the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid. And he said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was near his head and he set it up as a marker. And he poured oil on top of it and he named the place Bethel. Though previously previously the city was named Luz. And then Jacob made a vow. If, or if I could say this, as God will be with me and watch over me on this journey. And if he provides me with food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I've set up as a marker will be God's house. And I will give you a tenth of all that you give me. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Amazing description. Jacob is on the move. And in the midst of his struggling and his grasping, his escape plan, in the midst of all of that, and in the midst of these unmerited, unearned, undeserved blessings that have come upon him, he has one of the most powerful and personal encounters with God anywhere in the Bible. 
Now, you know, in ordinary terms, encounter, the word, um, it, it has that sense of being unexpected, sort of a chance event, sort of from nowhere, I encountered. But of course, in the economy of God, no encounter with God is unexpected to him. Nothing is, une- is, 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 is by chance from his perspective. Every encounter we have is divinely engineered, divinely orchestrated, is, is, is fixed by the Almighty. And Jacob has an encounter with God. God met him. God appears to him. God speaks to him. God makes himself known. God shows up in this young man's life, in the midst of his struggles and his grasping and his deceit and this escape plan that his mother's hatched for him. In the midst of all of that, having received this this oh-so-tremendous blessing from his father, he's on the move. And God meets him. God shows up just as he had with Adam, just as he had with Noah, just as he had with Abraham and with Isaac. Now it's Jacob's turn. It's just like, it, like he will do with Moses, just as he will with Joshua, just as he will with Gideon, with David, with Solomon, just as he will with the prophets, with Isaac, Isaiah, sorry, Isaac, and Jeremiah. Those prophets that describe Their meeting with God. Just as he will later with Peter and Andrew and James and John on the the lake. Just as he will with Paul and with Barnabas. Setting them apart. Meeting with them. Just as he will, if if you think this is for the men only. Just as he will with Sarah. Just as he did with Sarah. Just as he did with Rebecca. Just as he will do with Deborah. Or with Mary or Martha. Or the woman at the well, or the woman with the issue of blood, or with Tabitha, whom whom he raised from the dead. God showed up. Just as he has at various times and in varying degrees and in various ways and at various places amongst various of us. God has shown up. God has has made himself known to us. He's, He's allowed us to encounter him. How wonderful. I'm so glad, by the way, we live post-Pentecost because he lives inside and we we have a daily encounter with him. But that doesn't preclude the kind of encounter I'm talking about. We don't rely on these one-offs. We know him every day. We don't don't depend upon what seems to be that chance moment with the Lord because he lives within us. But it doesn't stop us needing these and enjoying these, these moments, these times right. as well. I can think of various times, whether it's been in my, in my own life, whether it's been in a, in a moment of worship, or sometimes in responding to an appeal, sometimes, very often, in a prophetic word that's come, sometimes, often, just in reading the word by myself, God speaking. I mean, he's, the word is alive and active all the time. We know he, he speaks all the time, but I'm talking about those times where above and beyond, God speaks. You know you've heard him. You know you've met him. You know you've, 
you've been in his presence. And those moments come to change us or to direct us or to redirect us or to cheer us on and say, keep going. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm saying? An encounter. An encounter with God. And Jacob encounters God and it's about to transform his life. It's about to um, change him. And I want to just look at some of the aspects of this. I guess for two reasons. Number one, I hope this might help you make sense of some things that have happened. hope it might help us make sense of some of those moments we have experienced. But beyond that, I really feel the need to prepare us for what's ahead. So we're ready. Because being a people that encounter him must be a hallmark of our church. So I'm sharing to to, um, maybe give some explanation for times and moments, maybe for some of you young guys where you've, you know you've met him and you think, what was that about? But for all of us, for where he wants us to go, hallelujah. Let's have a look at this encounter. The first thing I want to say is this, it it flows out of blessing. This encounter with God flows out of blessing and that's what those first few verses of the chapter are about, of of Isaac summoning Jacob and blessing him. This is, this is listen to this blessing. May God, the, the blessing, but the, the blessing is not a few words before you, before you eat food. They're important. The blessing of God in the Bible is weighty, yep. is heavy, is real, That's is nice. powerful. Is, there's something almost tangible about, about this blessing. May God Almighty, it really meant something. May God Almighty bless you, and listen to this, make you fruitful and multiply you so that you become an assembly of peoples. The the idea is is different people groups, different tribes, different ethnicities, different types, different people, peoples, lots of peoples, not just lots of people, lots of peoples, but one assembly, one collective Group comprising many people groups. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you become an assembly of peoples. And may God give you and your offspring. It's the blessing of Abraham being repeated now to his grandson, Jacob. May God Almighty give you and your offspring the blessing of Abraham so you may possess the land where you live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. What a blessing. And that's where the story starts. May God Almighty, that's that's El Shaddai, who appears about 40 times as El Shaddai. God Almighty. It, It has that sense of the God who is sovereign. The God who is sufficient. The God who pours forth. El Shaddai. May God Almighty bless you. He's sufficient. He's sovereign. He pulls forth. And Jacob has this powerful encounter that's about to happen in the context of this blessing. This blessing. Folks, why am I saying this? Because we're blessed. 
Because we're blessed. Because we've received tremendous blessing. I think of some of the words over, over the church. Some that are not yet fulfilled. And, and I, th- I say, what, what do we do with these unfulfilled words? Do we, do we let them drop unfulfilled? Do we move on to something else? No, we don't. We wage war with them. We say, God, because you've said these things, because you've blessed us with these promises, we expect encounter. It follows and flows from this blessing of God. God blessed him. And the next thing we know, he's meeting the Lord Almighty. God blessed him. I want to say this to his church. Get ready. Expect encounters. Well, they may, they may be like this. I don't care what they're like. I just want us to meet him. Face to face. Changed forever. The odd ladder or two would be good. Angels ascending and descending, that'll be great. But the thing is that we expect to meet him. We expect to encounter him, even this morning. We expect to meet with God. Your boundaries will be your starting places. You're to go into all the towns and villages. You should build up and branch out. This will be a haven of health. This will be an Antioch ascending place. What do we do with these words? We expect encounter until they're fulfilled as they're being fulfilled. That's the first thing. It flows from blessing. The second thing about this encounter, which I believe is true for all of them, it links heaven and earth. Isn't this story great? There's literally a physical, in the dream, there's this physical link between earth and heaven, between heaven and earth. But I believe an encounter with God takes us into takes us into realms and spheres that we know little about but are much closer than we realize. I think I said the other week, it's not, heaven is not up there and earth down here. Heaven and earth are parallel existences, realities, heavenly things, earthly things. And God wants us to be far more heavenly minded as Chris prayed this morning, our, our, earth are on, our feet are on the earth, but we exist in both places, if I could put it that way. Yeah. Paul wants the eyes of our heart to be opened. Yeah. One of the first prophetic words I ever received, and it was, it was a moment of encounter, was um, a lady who prayed for Deborah and I to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and, and as she, after she'd prayed, she brought me a, a scripture. I'd never really had that happen before. But it was a scripture in 2 Kings where Elisha's with his servant and they look and see the, the servant looks and he sees the fields surrounded by the enemy army. You know the story in 2 Kings 6? And Elisha prays, Lord, would you open his eyes? Then his eyes are opened and he sees, he sees the heavenly army. Chariots of fire. They were, they were always both there. Elisha could see them. But the servant needed his eyes opened to see the other reality, the other realm that was there all along. God wants us to have encounters that link heaven and earth because those encounters give us proper perspective, give us true identity, give us the bigger picture, give us the proper context. It's as if we, 
we're in a moment and, and it's as if we zoom out of our life and suddenly we see ourselves in this bigger context and then God zooms us back in again with what we need for the situation we're in, for the circumstance we're in. It links heaven and earth. It may cause us to dream bigger dreams, just as Jacob's having a dream. It may cause us to be, become more aware of angelic activity. It will certainly tell us he's Lord of all. I remember some moments, and some of you heard some of these stories before, I'll be very brief, but in my, in my first uh, job after I uh, graduated, I was in, in a workplace, and God spoke to me very clearly one morning through, from nowhere almost, from reading Proverbs and said, you need to get out. And if you don't get out, you will... He told me that my boss was going to fall, and if I didn't get out, I'd fall with him. From, from nowhere, I heard God speak to me. This man's going to fall. If you don't get out, you'll fall with him. And I believed I'd met God. I believed I'd heard God. I, yeah. I, within a month, I was gone. I'd been offered another job. And, and within six months, that man was in jail wow. be, because of fraud on a, on a particular assignment that I'd been involved in. I remember thinking, God knew. God, knew, God knows everything. God, God was ahead of, ahead of my time. God was in time. And he protects us. I remember being aware of heaven and earth. This is, this is amazing. I remember being in situations where, where, where uh, people have brought me a word of knowledge. Something very particular. Nobody, nobody knows. Because they're just things that I'm thinking, contemplating, praying about. But God can take one of my prayers and make somebody else aware of it yeah. Yeah. to help me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't, folks, we don't live in one realm. Our, our experience, Paul says, God, would you open the eyes of your, their heart, Lord, to see. God wants us to see more. Amen. To have encounter. I remember being in a, in a meeting, the first time Deborah and I went to Norway and we went into a meeting and in the middle of this meeting, this happened a couple of times, but on this occasion, the preacher just called me by name. A Norwegian preacher called me by name, spoke directly into the situation we were facing back here wow. at home at the time. You think, God knows. Yes. He's got it all covered. Yes. How amazing is God? An encounter with the Almighty. An encounter with God will always give us a bigger perspective of heaven and earth and always leave us with a higher regard for his sovereignty. Get ready to meet him in that way. Third thing is the encounter with God brings great promise. And in, in this encounter, if you look at verses, verse 13, he's already been blessed by his, um, his father Isaac. But in the dream now, the Lord is standing there saying beside him and saying, I am the Lord. I'm the God of your father Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac grandfather and father, I will give you and your offspring the land that you're now sleeping on. Your offspring, here we go, how about this for a promise? Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. And of course, not only was Sarah barren, but uh, Rebecca was barren. Jacob's wives are going to be barren. God has a funny way of fulfilling his promises sometimes, doesn't he? 
causing us to have to press through for his provision, for his answer, for his breaking of the situation. Absolutely. I'm the, I, I will give you and your offspring the land that you're now sleeping on. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and will spread out towards the west and the east and the north and the south. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I'm with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you. Just to get ahead of myself, when Jacob says at the end, if the Lord, the Lord has told him he will. It's not a bargain. Some people think it's a bargain. If you'll do this, then Lord, you'll be, and then I'll give you a tenth, then I'll be a tither if you do this. God had already promised he'd do it. Since the Lord, as the Lord, or even, if this is true, Lord, but it is true. So here he is, receiving this promise, a promise that links past, present, and future. It, it puts him in the line of his ancestors. I was, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And I'm going to do this for you, Jacob. It's a promise that is filled with, with the sense, with the context of God's covenant faithfulness. Reminding him of, him of his lineage, of his heritage. And when God speaks to us in those moments of encounter, I believe we find very often we, we see ourselves in that great line of faith, we realize who we're in line with, who's gone before us. You may even have promise about who's coming after you, your own children, your own grandchildren. And God reminds us of his past goodness. He assures us of his present help. And he opens up promises for the future. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. I will give you the land. You will spread out. I'll bless the whole earth through you. An encounter with God will always provide an anchor in our lives and security and hope and faith. Fill us with a sense of promise. And I just want to say, church, get ready to meet him in this way. And then look what happens. Verse 16, this is the fourth thing I want to say. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, an encounter, next one, Adam, will always open our eyes. Jacob awoke from his sleep, and his eyes are opened. And his eyes are opened in the sense of he suddenly has revelation. He suddenly realizes, and he realizes that the Lord is in this place. And he realizes that this is an awesome place, verse 17. And this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And the encounter causes his eyes to be open, and he sees a bit further. And it brings, it brings a proper fear of God and an awe of God. And the encounter focuses now on the encounter causes him to focus on the God of the encounter. Not just the experience. The encounter causes him to focus on the God who made the promise, not just on the promises. His eyes are opened and revelation comes and it brings fear and it brings awe. I remember when, it was about 10 years ago, when, when God spoke through a prophet and said I was to go aside for 40 days. It felt quite scary. 40 days of nothing. Cancelled everything. No meetings. It was like having a, like having a summer holiday when you're a 12-year-old. 
Nothing, to, nothing in the diary for six weeks. And to go aside, and, he said it, and the Lord said, if you do that, I'll give you what you need for the future. And in, the, in that time, meeting God, and, and in particular, if I could say it this way, I met the person of the Holy Spirit. In a way, I'd never known him before. I met the Lord. My eyes were opened. I, I saw him in a way I'd not seen him before. I saw his faithfulness. I saw his friendship. I saw his encouragement. And I guess like Jacob, I said, surely the Lord is in this place. An encounter with God will always show us more of him. Open our eyes. And I want us to get ready to meet him in this way. Couple more things. An encounter will always ignite our zeal for God's house. I love this. It's one of my favorite bits in the Bible. Verse 17, he was afraid and he said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. If you, if you know anything about the principle of, of the first time something's mentioned in the scriptures, this is the first time anywhere is called the house of God. It surely tells us something really important about what the house of God should be like should be awesome. There should be something fearful about it. And he says, this is, this is none other than the house of God. God's presence was there. It's a place of encounter. This is the gate or the gateway to heaven. Isn't that just the best description of the church? The gateway to heaven? The church as the gateway to heaven? If, if our thinking about the church is smaller than that, it's way too small. The house of God. Wow. Bethel, the gateway to heaven. This is the, pl- this is the interface, folks. It's through the church. And I don't mean the building. I mean these people in this place. It's through the church that men and women meet heaven, meet the Lord, are assured of their eternity. It's through the church that the, the realities of heaven become known to us. It's through the church that angelic activity becomes a reality amongst us. The gateway to heaven. It's not the shack on the side of the road. This is the gateway to heaven. The gate of heaven. How awesome is this place. An encounter with God will always bring, this is really important, always bring a fresh passion for the church, for God's house, for his masterpiece will always show us the church as she is, will always ignite zeal, will always ignite a fire in our hearts, open our eyes to see that we're here for purpose. I remember when Deborah and I went to our first Bible week in 1985. There's some backstory which is interesting, which utterly inappropriate for this morning. But there we were. And honestly, it was like this for me. We had no experience of any expression of church like that. And we walked into that first meeting we went to. And I knew in my heart, this is home. And that week I heard, I heard description of the church I'd never heard before. 
Zeal for his house began to fill my heart. I knew it could never be the same again. I had to make some choices. God has a way. God has a prescribed way. We are not free to pick and choose how we do things. God has a way. God is passionate. God is zealous for his house. It said that they said of Jesus, zeal for his house has consumed him. Jesus was consumed with zeal for his house. Don't you dare take it or leave it. And beware of anybody who claims an encounter but is not committed to church. Who lives a life of independence. I've got a lot of questions about that. This encounter brings a zeal for the house of God. Get ready to meet him in this way. A couple more things. This encounter leaves a mark. Towards the end of the story, Jacob takes the stone that was near his head, that was his pillow, and he sets it up as a pillar, and it becomes a marker. I don't know whether your Bible says that in verse 18. Early in the morning, he took the stone and he set it up as a marker. I love that. He set this stone up. Here's a marker. This encounter has left a mark. This encounter has made an imprint. This encounter has has shown me something, signposted something, sealed something. This encounter has marked me. And things cannot be the same again. The encounter has left a mark. I don't know whether you've experienced that. I I hope you have. I'm sure many of us have an encounter that leaves a mark. This dream now becomes his destiny. A reminder of what he's seen and heard. The encounter leaves a mark. And things start to change. First of all, uh, first of all the stone changes its, its purpose. Then the place changes its name from Luz to Bethel. But above all, Jacob is changed forever. Jacob himself is changed forever. God is no longer merely the God of granddad. The God of my Father. Now he's my God too. Now he's my God too. I don't know whether you've met him in that way. Whether he's mum and dad's God. Whether he's your spouse, really your spouse's God. It's, you know, I just play along, but really he's hers or he's his. Or he's dad's or he was granddad's. But here's Jacob at the end of his encounter. This God of Abraham and Isaac says, since you've spoken these things to me, Lord, here's my vow. If God, as God, will be with me and watch over me on this journey, and as he provides me with food to eat and clothes to wear, and as I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. The Lord will be my God. Here's the change in Jacob. And this stone I've set up as a marker will be God's house. And I will give and and I will give you a tenth, a tithe of all you give me. That last bit, by the way, is just the the evidence. It's just the evidence. It is where the heart is. He turns from being a, an observer to a participant. 
from a donator to a tither. He's no longer on the sidelines. He, he, now something's changed him forever. Something's touched him forever. God is no longer merely Abraham's and Isaac's, but now he's his as well. And he says, you, will, you, you, God, will be all mine, and I will be all yours. This encounter left its mark. The next time he meets God in this way, he's going to end up limping when he's wrestled him. Here's another one. That one leaves him limping. This first encounter leaves him longing, longing for more. But they both leave their mark. Folks, an encounter with God will change you, will turn your dream into your destiny, will change you from, a, from a, an observer to a participant. We have to get ready to meet him in that way. Amen. Amen. There is one more thing, just to finish with. This encounter happens on the way. On the way. So verse 10 tells us that Jacob had left Bathsheba and he, and he went towards Haran, but he reached a certain place and he spent the night there because the sun had set. Chapter 29 begins after the encounter. Jacob resumed his journey and he went to the eastern country. Jacob, is, Jacob hasn't arrived. He's on the way. And in fact, the sun had set. And later on, he resumes his journey. He's certainly not arrived in terms of his character, in terms of his maturity, in terms of his knowledge of God, in terms of his experience of serving God. If I could put it this way, he's still a bit raw. He's definitely imperfect. He's a little bit rough around the edges. And uh, I guess if he lived today, he might sing along with that chorus, I'm only human after all. (laughs) He's a normal guy. He hasn't arrived, but he has started moving. And you may feel this morning you've still got a long way to go. You may feel you're on your journey, but you've not arrived yet. You may even feel the sun has set. And somehow the day is over. And things have ended. If you feel like that, you're totally qualified perfectly poised for an encounter. It doesn't matter that you've not arrived. None of us have. We're all work in progress. Praise God. But you have made a start. And if you've made a start and if you've set out, get ready because encounters like this are coming our way. Amen. Amen. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for this description of an encounter with you. I want to pray, Heavenly Father, that our church will be marked by many more encounters like this. I want to pray, Lord, that individuals here, every individual, will meet you according to your divine orchestration just the right time just the right place in just the right way with just the right encounter to enable us to continue and take the next steps on our walk with you I want to pray that as a body 
we're marked. In this house, with your presence, knowing this is the gateway to heaven, with the evidence of angelic activity, with promises so full we could burst, men and women who know you and encounter you, Lord, I pray. Lord, as we worship you now, I want to pray that everybody in this room who's really hungry for you will meet you now. We come abandoned in awe of you. Ready to meet you this morning. Ready to meet you in the week ahead. We give you our praise, Heavenly Father, God Almighty, El Shaddai, Almighty, Sovereign, All-Sufficient, the God who pours forth. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.